0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Edwards, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Thomas Smith. Uh, We hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. Uh, Our recent episode was a Christmas episode, so hopefully you guys got to hear a little bit about that as we kind of roll into 2024 hope you guys had a great new year's as well tom uh how was your uh, holiday little break
1: uh i mean good as uh went to see the bowl game you know that was kind of frustrating but i mean it was fun you know got to spend some time with family you know that's always good
0: always good always good yeah i i i kind of i was able to spend you know the christmas season with you know my fiance and her family a little bit and my family as well so that was that was A really good time uh they're good people and new year's was pretty low-key though for me for sure it wasn't anything spectacular nothing really to celebrate because state lost the bowl game so it was kind of (laughs) kind of tough but it is what it is so yeah so let's get into it um we got a we got a lot to cover today it's it's We're getting into the thick of ACC play, and it's it's already, after a couple games, it's already a doozy, in my opinion. I don't know about you, Tom, but to me, it's a doozy.
1: Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that the top four teams in the ACC
0: right now are all Tobacco Road, right? Tobacco Road, baby. Represent. Represent. All right, so let's get into it. So, on Wednesday, January 3rd, we played Notre Dame, and by the good Lord above and his good graces, (laughs) somehow we only led for 0.6 seconds and came out with a victory. I mean, that was, I know, I know a lot of our friends were watching that. I know we were watching that too. There were many points in that game. I felt like I was going to be able to just turn off the TV and just end the misery that I was witnessing firsthand. It was, it was, truly an abysmal start to the game i really didn't have a whole lot of confidence and state somehow pulled it off i mean truly it was truly remarkable we'll take a win we'll take a win by any means i mean dj burns kind of carried us in those last few minutes and that that i think is what really kind of helped us prevail in the end but it was, it was tough to watch for quite, for 39 minutes and 54, 50, seconds. 54, 59, fifty-nine 4, yeah. point yeah, 59. four seconds or whatever that was. Oh, it's just this brutal, brutal, but we'll take a win. I mean, I think people, I think you and I, we kind of talk about nerdy Dame and how, you know, this would be just like another game where we, you know, would it, almost focus more on Virginia's game rather than Notre Dame. And Notre Dame actually pr- is started to prove everybody a little bit wrong in the fact that they're not the worst ACC team. They actually do have a little bit of the chip on their shoulder ever since um, Micah Shrewsbury decided to kind of like, you know, bash his own team essentially. And I think they're now starting to figure a few things out and they, I mean, th- we did not look great against them, but they also didn't look, they really didn't look horrible. It's just ACC play is so competitive and so tough. But I I did not give Notre Dame enough credit, I don't think. I don't know about you.
1: No, I don't think anybody did. I mean, they go and beat Virginia by 20. They should have beat us. And then two nights ago, they only lost to Duke by eight and were leading for a, a decent amount of that game, you know. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever seen a team shoot 29% and win a game. Um, But, I mean, it's a credit to us. We hit the offensive glass. I mean, 17 offensive rebounds. So that's just, you know, poor shooting. But we showed effort. And I know that's something Keats always talks about. And it's something you have to show for 40 minutes. um, Or else you're just going to lose to anybody in the ACC, regardless of who it is.
0: Yeah. And that's that's a good point. It's just... There's been a lot of games where we – there's been a few games, even if we have won them, it doesn't show like we've shown enough effort or have gotten off to a a great start. And, you know, that that happens sometimes. You don't get off to a good start or you might have a poor shooting night. You know, know, stuff happens like that. But it's good to show at least some form of fight. And I think we showed that against Notre Dame, uh, unlike – you know, the game against Ole Miss or something like that when we were down and then just didn't really show any urgency and ended yeah. up kind of falling short in that in that area. But like you mentioned, it it showed we showed that we were able to respond when it was getting tough and that we were actually able to come together as a unit to figure out a way to build momentum even though we really hadn't built any all game. And it's kind of rolling rolling into 2024. I think Keats has finally gotten these guys to build a lot of chemistry after kind of going through the motions through some of these other teams that we've played just to get some quality wins. And I think this you know the second our second ACC game, it was a good it was a good opportunity for us to really show our chemistry and our ability to, you know, have a lot of grit. And I think we did that in the Notre Dame game by a long shot.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it was just such a weird and frustrating game and to come away with a win when nobody thought we would win, uh, going like throughout the game, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it, it shows something that, you know, we can be a, decent team in the ACC but we we can win in multiple ways we can win on our worst we can win on our best hopefully we get Wednesday you know
0: (laughs) yeah 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 and we will get to that for sure but you know as our defense has been our defense has been pretty solid all year long I mean we forced 13 turnovers uh, against Notre Dame so I think our defense definitely helped us stay in the game which is Even though our offense had such poor shooting, our defense just continued to grind and grind and grind and slowly chip away at Notre Dame's lead all throughout the game. Whether it was, you know, a couple like a six point run and then, you know, them getting a little bit of a run. So it was really just a battle all day long and we'll take a win. And I'm very happy about that. There was something, though, you know, something that I've been kind of thinking about as we're going into 2024 and the rest of this state uh, basketball season i kind of want to you know maybe hear your take on it but i think something that's very interesting that i've seen in our offense and it's kind of like an observation that i've seen in watching other teams play not just our not just state but when when people run their offenses you know we'll go through progression the the first option you know to see if that guy is open for a shot or the second option or sometimes even the third option. But at this level of basketball, I feel like, you know, the scouting is so above and beyond what people are really understanding. And so I think the scouting of other teams is, is something that really doesn't get enough credit because when they're setting up defenses, you know, they're scouting other teams to stop their offenses. And so obviously we know that offenses will break down or they won't be able to get their first, second, or even third option, which is nothing, nothing wrong with that because I think our defense does such a good job at limiting other teams to be able to get their first, second, or third option a lot of the time. But the caveat in what I'm seeing is that, I feel like what defines a team more is when you can't get those first, second, and third options. Where do you go on offense to figure out a way to work together as a unit to get to get just a simple basket? Cause I know it's almost it's almost like probably improv, but at the same time, you know, you have a bunch of skilled players. There's gotta be some way for you to build maybe some sort of chemistry to be able to find a way to make a basket when, you know, you're running your offense and nothing seems to be going your way. And the fact that you need to like adapt to certain situations when a certain play breaks down and you've exhausted all your options on offense. And I feel like over the course of this season and sometimes under previous seasons, with Kevin Keats kind of like last year and the year prior, it seems like state doesn't really know, or sometimes has issues when things aren't really going their way on offense and they end up settling for low percentage shot selections. And that's just, you know, I've just seen that. And it, it's kind of, it's really frustrating because when our offense actually does move the ball around and we move without the ball, we do a lot better, but, for some reason we still a lot of the time stick to this one-on-one isolation ball with, I mean, granted we have good players, but at some point one-on-one ball doesn't really work at the college level that much.
1: Yeah. And, you know, going back to your point about um, how teams scout one another and some things that I've noticed is that the actions and the plays that we run over the past i don't know 2 or 3 years have been relatively the same. We have not had any change so like the the team's ability to scout us and know what's coming is easier cuz we there's no wrinkles in the plays that we run and you know when we go through scoring droughts like we did against Notre Dame they're Keats doesn't have any plays that he can go to that like, I mean, that that can get an easy basket. There is there even if it's a play that would only work once in a year or twice in a year, you know, you have to have some type of thing that you can go to as a coach to break up these scoring droughts, to get some momentum building on offense. Um, and you know, when we run the same plays, and you know the play breaks down or whatever, our 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 go to is to either dump the ball into DJ, which works pretty efficiently, or to just hook up a a deep three, which does nothing for us offensively, and you know we don't have anything like a play that is just motion based where where, you know, there is no set play. It is just rules based off of how the defense reacts and how your offense, you know, moves. And that's something I've noticed because we go to these same old, same old plays that just realistically haven't been working. And there doesn't seem to be any type of change, which, you know, we need to see some of that or else we're going to lose games. We're not going to be able to come back or we're not going to be able to win games consistently shooting this bad. And as much as I want to say it was an outlier, I don't think it is an outlier.
0: No, I I agree with that. Cause there's nothing wrong with giving the ball to one of your best players just to get a bucket to end a scoring drought. There's nothing wrong with that. But the fact of the matter is, is truthfully, we i think our team really still does not know. I think I think the Notre Dame game may have solidified a little bit that DJ Burns might be one of the only players on our team that can maybe get a bucket to end a scoring drought. But before then, like nobody really stepped up, I guess. Nobody really was solidified as the guy that if we need to get a bucket when we're on a four and a half minute scoring drought to at least just get a layup or, or it's not even that. See, it's, it's the fact that in, okay. So
1: the audience doesn't know this, but you know, this, that I grew up a Wake fan and mm-hmm. over break, I went to, I don't know, four or five games with my mom. And, and I've told you that I love what coach Ford does at mm-hmm. wake. And when whenever Wake goes through a four or five minute scoring drought, Forbes draws, or actually I don't know if it is Forbes. There's a guy, there's an assistant coach that calls the plays, but he calls something and it, it's not a play that, you know, gives a gives your one of your best players an opportunity to drive to the basket. It is literally a wide open layup off some movement. And we don't have anything like that. And it's frustrating because Yes, you want your best players to step up, but you have to have plays as a coach that allow your players to get a wide open layup
0: off of some
1: type of action.
0: We don't have any of that. We don't, and the and the problem is, is we have the talent to be able to do that too. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's frustrating. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping Keats or somebody on our coaching staff can find a way for us to have one of one of those couple set plays where we can end a scoring drought and build a little bit of momentum because I think really key, what Keats relies on is those fast break points with yep. good defense. And sometimes that works. It works against maybe Q4 teams. But as soon as you get into ACC play, that's not so much the case anymore. It's yeah. much, much more challenging. I agree. It's it, it's frustrating. So I I know I know you and I are frustrated, but you know we'll take a win against Notre Dame and a win is a win. Move we'll move on. So we'll move on to UVA. That so UVA game 76 seventy six to set sixty. Victory 16 point win, a lot of uh balanced scoring from Dennis Parker. Sure. Jaden Taylor finally kind of getting back into a groove. We love to see that. He actually, I for some reason, I thought he was much more inefficient on his shooting, yet he was only four for nine and two for five on threes. So apologies, Jaden Taylor. I didn't know that you were that that was actually more efficient than I thought. Uh, what's well, an important, definitely- yeah.
1: The Jane Taylor's shooting was an improvement on the past couple games. I know he's only four for nine, which is what 44%, I believe.
0: Yeah, something around there.
1: Um, it's an improvement on what it has been, and he was able to get to the line to create easy scoring opportunities for himself, mm-hmm. which is something he's not been doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, we need that consistency, especially from behind the three point line, because that. Spaces out the defense even more to create more driving opportunities for him, driving opportunities for Marcel and just um, space in the lane for DJ.
0: Yeah, because, you know, I think DJ is really the only guy that's down there. And, you know, if Middlebrooks is in the game, he's down there, too. But. We need we need a a few more guys to be willing to drive to the basket. We can't be a three point shooting happy team. Like we gotta find ways to drive to the basket, create contact, you know, make a layup or get fouled and go to the free throw line because we really are we are a good free throw shooting team, and unfortunately we didn't shoot. I remember the Detroit Mercy game. I think we we were like really horrible from the line. And I think I ended up tweeting something out to the effect of, like, I'd give, like, an arm and a leg to for this team to be good at free throw shooting. And I guess they saw my tweet because they've been pretty good the last couple games with free throw shooting. So I'm very pleased with that.
1: Yeah, um, every point counts. I mean, and we aren't getting to the free throw line nearly enough with how well we shoot from the free throw line. I mean, 12 attempts, albeit against a, a so, like a super solid Virginia defense who mm-hmm. prides itself on, you know, not fouling um, and preventing driving lanes. Um, I mean, against Notre Dame, we only had 16 attempts. I, I really feel like if we could bump that up into the 20s, it, it just gives us easier points for a team that sometimes struggles to score the basketball. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because when we go through those slumps, we, we kind of need like to see the ball go through the basket. So an easy way to do that would be a free throw.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, I mean, our offense definitely, between, between those couple days from the Notre Dame games, the UVA game, I did see a tune-up in the offense. I think we realized that, you know, since Virginia prides their team on – being a defense first, you know, or like group, we actually did a lot better of moving without the ball, constantly moving, making sure that Virginia was, you know, constantly moving on the defense. That way we were able to swing the ball across, across the perimeter, get it inside, kick it back out. I don't, they didn't really play, I think they kind of played a little bit of everything. I, I Feel like at one point they played like a little matchup zone type thing where they would kind of where they would also double DJ and DJ well, did a great job of keeping his eyes up and facing the basket too to create other op other create opportunities for other people as well.
1: Yeah, so the pack line one of its staples is doubling the post. Like it, it, as soon as the ball goes in the into the post, they double. That's just how the defense, how the style of defense works, and that actually plays into our advantage um, with DJ because of how good of a passer he is. Uh, and yeah, so that that was one reason we were able to create more opportunities, I thought. I think, uh, you know, other teams that we play realize that doubling DJ is not the, the right move um, because of how efficient he is passing the ball, but also because... You know, sometimes he can be inefficient, inefficient shooting the ball. So, yeah, just the, the the style of defense in general helped us with that, with mm-hmm. that, you know, part of our offense.
0: Yeah. And it was nice to see other people, you know, like a Dennis Parker Jr., you know, he's kind of been up and down, up and down this year, but he, but it was good to see him as somebody else that can step up in the midst of a Casey Morcel not shooting well. And Dennis Parker showed that they probably didn't that UVA maybe not did enough scouting on Dennis Parker and more folks solely focused on, you know, the other players. And they said, you know, we're not going to let Casey Morcel get wide open three point shots. We're going to make sure that he's contested and going to make somebody else beat us. And, you know, Dennis Parker stood, uh, stood up to the challenge and, you know, he provided a big spark and that his 15 or so points definitely helped us, you know, push us over the edge. I mean, he was, he did a lot of little things, four rebounds, a steal. You know, he he definitely was able to provide some disruption he and some confusion for at least the UVA defense because they didn't really know how to defend him since he actually made a few threes, which was pretty awesome to see.
1: Um, Yeah, you know, one of my biggest gripes right now with the team is how poorly uh, Casey Morsell has been playing on the offensive end. Uh, last five games only one game shooting above 30%, and it's because he's forcing things, man. He's just... Like, last year, all of his shots came off of being that third guy. You know, when Turquavion drove to the basket, it was a driving quick, driving kick. If Jarkel drove the basket, a driving kick. Or a skip across the, the lane from DJ, wide open threes, catch and shoot in rhythm. And when the defense closed out on him, he would you know, attack the closeout and drive to the basket and get a layup or something like that. This year, it seems as if when when he catches the ball on the wing, instead of, you know, moving the ball and cutting, he's trying to create for himself, and that's not his game. And he needs to realize that, that his game is, you know, catch and shoot, being a 3-and-D guy, hustling, getting offensive rebounds, and, you know, just being that glue for this team and you know it's been frustrating to watch yeah it is is
0: frustrating because we know he's so much better than the way he's playing too he i think he had less pressure he feels like he probably had less pressure on himself last year because he knew he wasn't gonna be you know he wasn't he wasn't the he wasn't the old guy on the team he was still one of the not one of the younger guys, but you know, not a young guy, but you know, not, not one of the seniors essentially, or grad students who had more experience playing and knew that Jarkel or Turquavion would be, you know, one, a one B as far as options to score the basketball. And then even sometimes Casey would be that fourth option behind DJ at, at points last year. So Casey didn't have as much pressure, I think, on himself. And then next thing you know, this year comes around. He's he's forcing shots. He's trying to. Uh, hit, hit, really, his his bread and butter is you know the spot up three. He hasn't it been is. doing that either. But you know, then he tries to do too much by doing like the off the dribble long twos. It's which is the most inefficient shot I feel like in in basketball, and it, it's tough to watch. And I think he. I I think he honestly needs to realize that he needs to adapt that role that he did last year, where it's let DJ horn, you know, control the offense, let him get a bucket when we need one, let, let Jaden Taylor Taylor. drive to the basket, but
1: don't. I I mean, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at some of his numbers right now. He shot 41% from three last year. Now he's shooting 32%. Um, He's taking Almost two less threes a a game this year compared to last year. And he's taking about three more twos a game this year compared to last year. It's just like he showed such a huge jump in his three-point shot last year. I expected some of that to, you know, carry over. And, I mean, he just has been just mediocre to be mm-hmm. honest.
0: Yeah. And, and even his like free throw shooting percentage has gone down like ten percent a, a lot. It's, it's yeah. Oh, we need Casey to kind of, hopefully Casey can bring something to give us a little bit of a spark. We don't have to rely on, you know, the eighth man on the bench to do something as far as when we get to, when we get to Wednesday, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but you know, got two wins last week. We'll take it. I mean, they one of them was a great win. The other one was a good example of uh, what the cardiac pack will do to you. But we'll move on. I mean, we 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 had we had two good two good wins. We'll we'll take them in ACC play, and we're tied for first in the ACC. It's all you can really ask for, I think.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we got two games. Uh, this week we're gonna actually skip ahead and talk about the Louisville game on Saturday, right? Yep, it's will be um, Saturday. You know, Louisville statistically, the eye test—they are the worst team in the ACC. But it, it you know, it's a quad four game. They're two sixty-three in the net, and you know, despite it being on the road, and we we talk about. It's always tough to win on the road in the ACC. We really should be able to, you know, handle business and get out of here with a win because, you know, every every ACC win counts, and if you end up losing this one, this is like a resume killer. Um, and if we end up splitting against Carolina Wake, Virginia – we'll still have a win on our resume uh just for seating wise and like tournament ACC tournament, you know. <sighs> and the, the Louisville lost JJ trainer to this for the season with a shoulder injury. So we need to, you know, attack the basket and just uh take advantage of that. Um, yeah.
0: We got we gotta do we gotta do something. I mean Louisville's given up like 76 points per game and we're averaging about I think it was earlier this season we were averaging about anywhere from like 78 66 76 to 78 points per game and so if they're giving up that much I I think we should be able to hit our average yeah we're at
1: 77 points. right now we are
0: okay 70 so.
1: or 77.7 7,
0: so 78 okay all right so essentially yeah essentially that so we'll hopefully we can find a way to 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 get that rolling and you know get out of there with the with the convincing win. We need we. I don't feel like we've had a lot of convincing wins besides maybe this uh, most recent Virginia game, but the convincing win in the AC another convincing win in the ACC against the I test lower lowest worst team in the ACC in Louisville. That will push us in a in a big way, and you know we got to start off with basically. Looking at Sky Clark, their six uh, 6'3 sophomore guard. He is their leading scorer at 15, 15 points a game. And he is a guy that really loves, you know, getting to the basket, drawing contact. He's not a very strong three-point shooter. He's shooting a little bit under 30%. So, but he loves his ability to drive, drive to the basket and score and because he do- he draws so much attention he's able to kick out to open teammates who are able to get easy buckets as well I was watching a watching a couple highlights and I've seen him in one or two games and when he drives to the basket enough people then start you know switching up on him and then he just dishes it off inside or outside to one of his open guys um, like I said with you know him not being a strong three point shooter it doesn't mean we should we we should leave him open because he still can't, I mean, anybody in college can shoot. And we kind of saw that after we were talking about how uh, Ziegler on at Tennessee was not a very good three point shooter, you know, as far as stats said, but then again, he went and, you know, made like a four or five threes or however many it was against us and ended up, you know, kind of hurting us in that Tennessee game. And so it's not, we shouldn't worry about him shooting the three, but it's not like we should l- let him wide open. And that's going to be something we need to make sure that we have an eye on him. And the guy that we really have to have an eye on is uh, Mike James is their Six, five sophomore guard who's shooting a l- much better than sky Clark is from the three point line at 36%. Um, but he'll be the guy that, you know, he'll stand either in the corner on the wing As soon as Sky Clark gets to the basket, he might dish right back out and give it to Mike James, who can get who can who can shoot the ball a lot better than Sky Clark can. And so we will need to be aware of his whereabouts all all over the court. We need to make sure that we're not we're not losing sight of him, that we have our eye on both ball and man and that we're not turning away from from our man and only focusing on Sky Clark because they, they do have a couple other, you know, decent guys on their squad. It's just that they, I don't think they've really kind of put anything together this year, which is, you know, it, it, it's tough to do that, especially in the ACC, but. Well,
1: yeah, they, uh, I mean, Kenny Payne is probably the worst, the worst coach in um, Division One college basketball. I mean, he is just, abysmal and i mean they've also lost uh i forget what trey white did but he, he was averaging 10 points a game but i think he got in trouble with grades or something i'm i'm not positive on the story behind it but so they're, they're missing two of their better scorers um but yeah i mean sky, sky going back to sky clark he takes a ton of shots super inefficient and both him and uh, Mike James turned the ball over a ton. So, if we can, you know, pressure them, get easy baskets, I mean, that just leads to a the, the formula for an NC State win, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Defense, defense, defense. That's what you got to do. I mean, we, we're forcing 13, 14 turnovers. You got to, you got to, especially against a team like this, goes, this,
1: this has got to be more than 14. It's got to be like 17
0: or 18. It's got, yeah. I mean, it'll it, hopefully it will be like that. We'll see how that goes. But, Another guy we got to watch out for is, uh, you know, their 6'10 junior forward, uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield. He is uh, he's averaging uh, eight and a half rebounds a game. So he's also a rim protector as well, averaging about a block a game. And so he will have a lot of, you know, he'll have a big impact as far as us making sure that we need to box out on defense and prevent, you know, second and third chance opportunities. Because against a team like Louisville, they could sneak up on you if they get you know second chance opportunities to score score the basketball. And so if we can limit that, as we kind of did against UVA, we limited a lot of second chance points, and that's kind of how we were able to keep such a you know a commanding lead throughout the whole game. And so I think I think Hatfield will probably have the responsibility of guarding DJ when he's on the floor. But if we can get him in foul trouble quickly. I mean DJ we could just have a field day.
1: Yeah, and, and going back to like keeping them off the glass, I, I know we have this listed as a key to the game. Um they they as a team, they are super, super inefficient. Um they rank two hundred and ninety-second in field goal percentage. Um, so yeah, just keeping them off the glass, limiting the amount of chances they have to make baskets will you know allow us to get out of transition, transition, uh, get easy baskets ourselves. You know, it, it, another thing or another recipe for success for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, another thing limiting free throw attempts, like another way for them to get easy points, keep them off the line, keep them from getting uh easy baskets from the free throw line. They're shooting about 74%. From the line, and you know they love to drive the ball. So yeah, just keeping them off the glass, keeping them off the free throw line, and you know playing in transition is that's uh, what we need to do.
0: Yeah, we need to play. We need to play our game the way we know how to play it. And I think if we can do that, we'll be very successful in what we do. We don't want the reverse Notre Dame situation where we. Where you know they gave up seventeen offensive rebounds to us. We don't need to be doing that against this Louisville team. We don't need to give them any signs of hope or life at any point in the game. We got to hit them in the mouth pretty hard to start the game. And I think if we do that, we force them to make bad decisions. We force them to make you know silly turnovers. And over the course of the game, if we do that early, we'll just you know increase our lead more and more and more. And then that way we're not you know, going down to the wire against another ACC team that we should beat by a lot more than two points. Absolutely. All right, so now we're going to transition into Wednesday night's primetime ESPN game. Wednesday, January 10th that PNC. Wolfpack versus the lowly Tar Heels. The most important game I think we have, you know, in, in the next kind of, as we progress into 2024, as far as ACC play goes, really getting us even putting our foot on the gas even more. It's a rivalry like no other, as we've all kind of said, it's a, the, a very highly anticipated matchup. I just saw that the, at, that UNC has moved up to seven in the polls. So obviously a very good quad one opponent and a great opportunity to take advantage of this rivalry at home and get a really good win against uh, Hubert Davis's led uh, team. I know, I know this game is going to be chippy. You know, we've, this, this rivalry has got a lot of history. It's, you will bring out a lot of people's pride, you know, it will be, It'll be, a, it'll be a gritty match, I think, for sure. And we will need PNC to be rocking. We need it to be loud. We need it to be fun. We need it to be exciting. People are going to be, I think, going crazy. This is It'll be probably the loudest environment we'll have this year by a long shot. I think my ears will be ringing in a win or a loss, regardless of what happens, I think, because it's going to be utter chaos just like it was last year and that game was very fun to go to um i think this will be a pretty fast paced game you know carolina always does their fast break you know into their offense and so i think with them doing that and nc state also playing very fast it's going to it's th- these teams are going to be pretty gassed i think it, it'll be a you know a, a, in addition to a bunch of the pushing and shoving and grudge matches that we'll have down low, probably in the paint or up top on the, on the perimeter. It'll be, it'll be, this'll be an exciting game. I'm very excited for it. Both teams have four people averaging double figures. So it'll be interesting to see who kind of rises to the occasion, who, who gets limited in their production of being able to score. I know, I know, I know UNC is going to be wanting revenge after a uh, state's convincing win in PNC last year. I think, I think the Wolfpack needed be prepared to come out with a, with a lot of energy. Cause I know UNC will be coming out with a lot of revenge. And so if we can match that energy quickly, I think it'll be a great opportunity for us to, build some momentum as the game starts. And as we kind of go through the game, we can, you know, keep the ground running and keep our foot on the gas. And I think if if we're going to start the game like that, we have got to watch R.J. Davis. He's a name we all know. We're all very familiar with him. He's the ACC's current leading scorer at 21 points per game. And he's also UNC's team leader in – averaging about three and a half assists per game. So he is, he is their point guard. He is their quarterback. He is versatile. He is quick and he can pretty much score from anywhere on the floor that he wants to as an NC state fan. And I know that he's going to be giving us some frustrating moments on Wednesday night. And if we can limit those frustrating moments that he brings State will be, I think, a lot better off. I don't think we can fully stop him, but if we can slow him down to be able to make other people beat us, we should be okay for the majority of the game, I think. And we just have to make him uncomfortable as possible. And I think that starts with us immediately going into our full court press, not letting them, trying to slow them down a little bit so that they don't, go to we don't start playing at the pace that they want us to be played at we want to slow them slow them down in a sense of full court pressing them into rushing and making bad decisions on the offensive end
1: yeah i mean it's it's what we do defensively with the press is is try to make speed them up in the half court where they only have you know 22 seconds to get into their offense get into the play or whatever and yeah RJ probably at the moment the favorite to win ACC player of the year um he's really flourished with the departure of uh, Caleb Love to Arizona um really taking on more more of he, he still handles the ball as their point guard a little bit but he's been playing off the ball a lot more this year which is why his points per game number has gone up because he's been able to you know instead of creating offense for others, focus more on creating offense for himself, for himself. Um, And some of that we'll get into Cadeau, Elliot Cadeau. He's probably their true point guard, but, you know, RJ, really good player. You know, Jaden Taylor's probably going to be on him most of the night. Um, He's probably our best uh, perimeter defender Mm -hmm. guard-wise. But let's not... Forget about Armando Baycott. I mean, he's given us trouble for years and years and years. Um, I'm Feels here, like yeah. he's been here forever. He's you know, ACC leading rebounder 11 per game, two blocks a game, and we got to keep him off the offensive glass in particular. I mean, we talk about it every game, basically. Limiting second chance opportunities. He's going to get a couple probably where he gets an offensive board and a stick back, but you know, keeping him off the line, keeping him off the glass are just two things that we can do to limit his effectiveness on the floor. Um, getting him into foul trouble, hopefully DJ can take advantage of that, get him get him up in the air, draw some quick, quick fouls to get him off the court. Um, and yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about him? I mean, everybody knows what he's doing. You know,
0: yeah, everybody does. It, he, he's he's something else and he's a force to be reckoned with. It'll be interesting to see how we decide to match up against him. I mean, I, I, I think I mean, I'm sure DJ will start on him and, you know, hopefully Middlebrooks can kind of hold his own if if he gets that call to, you know, make sure that he limits Baycott's production. And
1: Oh, you want to know one thing? I, I almost guarantee it. Middlebrooks flops and get, gives an offensive foul on Baycott. He's going to flop. I know he's going to do it.
0: Are we putting money on that he flops? Dude, I would put so much money on
1: it if I could. He's going to do it. Baycott's going to catch the ball in the post. He's going to take one dribble. Middlebrooks is going to take it in the chest, take, take the first one. He's going to stay up, take it in the chest clean. And then Baycott's going to go for a second back down. He's going to flop like a fish, pick up an offensive foul, and the crowd's going to go nuts.
0: Yep. So PNC be ready <laughs> for that because we're calling it now, and as soon as it happens, that it's going out into the into the Twitterverse for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. I mean that that place will be rocking it when if once that happens. I mean, it'll, it'll, who knows? Maybe Middlebrooks will try it more than once, and maybe O'Connell. I think O'Connell can probably get one or two charges called against against. UNC too. I mean, he's a quick on-ball defender as well, so maybe oh, he can yeah. cross something too. It would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Another another guy, another key piece on uh, Carolina's squad is uh, their six-seven uh, junior transfer from uh, Stanford, uh, Harrison Ingram. He, if you're able to limit R.J. Davis and Baycott's production a little bit, the next guy you have to look look at is Ingram because he is able to shoot the three at an efficient 43% this year. And he's taken a good amount of three point shots. And so he's been very efficient from that, uh, from beyond the arc. And I think something that we need to take into account is make sure where he, we know where he is at all times, as far as who's going to guard him. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure yet, but we definitely need to make sure that we do not lose sight of him because if if he is left wide open, that's it's basically a layup for him at that point. So we need to make him take difficult shots and make him, you know, get uncomfortable as far as you know being able to you know shoot efficiently. He's also a very good defender as well. He's averaging about a, a one and a half steals a game, so he's very active on that side of the floor, which makes him pretty dangerous you know, for a guy that can not only shoot, but is also an excellent defender. So the, so the Wolfpack need to make sure that they know that they know where he is at all times on the offense and then make sure that they take care of the ball efficiently on the, on the offensive side to make, and to limit mistakes. And if we can get those three guys all uncomfortable, you know, RJ, Baycott, Ingram, all uncomfortable on both sides of the ball, I like our chances a little bit more.
1: Yeah, um, Harrison Ingram recently has been uh, struggling uh, shooting the ball past three games under 33%, but he finds ways to impact the game even if he's not scoring the ball. I mean, against Pitt, uh, 15 total rebounds, five on the offensive end, two blocks, had a steal against Clemson. You know, he, he, he's a guy who is gonna have some impact on the game regardless of how well he shoots the ball. Um, So yeah, I mean, keeping him off the glass, keeping him, you know, making him uncomfortable, like you said, something we gotta gotta take advantage of. Um, And next for them would be Cormac Ryan, the Notre Dame transfer. Um, He's another guy on the team that fills the stat sheet. He knows his role. I mean, he's not the primary scorer like he was at Notre Dame. And he hasn't actually been shooting the ball that well this year from three, only 29%. But he's a career 35% three-point shooter. Um, and last year Notre Dame shot uh, 40% from three. So he's very, very, very capable. Um, actually, last year against us at PNC, he had 19 points on six of eight shooting. Um, we don't want to give him space because we, we just, you, you know that at any point you can get hot and just take over
0: a game. Um, yeah he's able to score at any given moment and that's that's dangerous you know as far as you know no, no matter who you are and especially be- him being you know 6'5 he's also he's also pretty versatile for his height and he's pretty quick as well so making sure that we stay in front of him and making sure that he isn't given any really good looks or any good opportunities is going to be a It'll be a, it'll be a big spark for us if we can you know keep him in check. I mean, there's so many guys on UNC's team that they they really have a loaded roster this year, and so trying to limit every single person essentially on their team is it's appearing that's the only way that we're going to be able to you know hang in there. But we got to play our own game too. I mean, they got I mean they do have a lot of people. They have another guy you know Elliot Cadot, six one freshman guard he's actually the 12th best prospect from this year's class and um you know when we say rj davis is their point guard Elliot is actually their true point guard so it gives rj that's probably most most likely the reason why rj davis is being so efficient in his scoring ability this year is because he's not being given that true point guard role and he's allowing somebody else to fulfill that role like he did last year and was giving opportunities to, you know, Caleb Love and Baycott. Um, he initiates a lot of their offense and, you know, he does a great job of at least driving to the basket and creating opportunities for his teammates. And if, if we can prevent that, he's, he's really not a great finisher at the rim. So if we can, you know, at least get, you know, Middlebrooks or Diara or, or Burns somewhere down you know, down by the, by the basket and at least defend, defend a shot that he's maybe taking towards the lane. He's not going to be that strong of a finisher and we can, you know, at least prevent another, another guy from scoring on the offense. Cause they've already got a bunch of guys that, you know, that can finish well at the rim. He's got a good, you know, assisted turnover ratio. I think it's three to one at this point. Um, But I think we have enough good guards on our side to be able to, you know, play him tight on the ball around the perimeter and force him to put a little bit of pressure on him to make sure that he doesn't, you know, do anything that we're going to be, you know, scratching our heads about.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he is still a freshman, you know, he's just experiencing ACC play. I know they played a bunch of tough games, um, in the non-conference schedule, neutral site, but playing at PNC in this rivalry is is different, um, and he hasn't really gotten a taste of that. So I really feel like we can get up, we could pressure him, we could force him into eat some turnovers, um, and give us some easy baskets. Um, and one thing about this Carolina team that's different from the past, what two or two years, um, is that they have guys off the bench that are contributing. Uh, Hubert's doing a good job rotating their talent in which is something they didn't do in the past um they've got jalen washington 610 sophomore uh he's baycott's backup he's only averaging about eight minutes a game but in those eight minutes getting five points a game is is really really good and he's shooting an incredible 70 percent from the field and 55 percent from three and you know it's not the same unc team where you know in the past, you're hoping and praying for Baycott to get in foul trouble because then they put somebody else in that uh, isn't going to give them anything, you know, uh, offensively or defensively. Um, next, I want to talk about Seth Trimble. He's probably their, their – no, nah, I would say he's not their sixth fan, but he's a 6'3 sophomore guard, brother of former Maryland star Melo Trimble. He's shown immense improvement in his jump shot compared to his freshman year, which is another reason why he's able to play more minutes. Um and you know some of that, some of that improvement in shooting can, uh, come from the increase of minutes because he's getting a rhythm, um. But to improve your shooting percentage by almost forty percent from one year to the next is absolutely incredible. Um, the next two, uh, really similar, not not similar in in the fact that they look similar, but they have similar play styles. and Woshik and uh. Uh, Jalen Withers, two guys who come off the bench that are more than capable shooters, but they haven't shot the ball well this year, Um, both below uh, 30%, but both guys who are capable of hitting open threes. Um, But they both come off the bench and provide a ton of effort and energy on the defensive end. Um, And, I mean, Jalen Withers was one guy that this past transfer window that I was just hoping and praying we could get. Um... You know, he's a local guy. I believe he is from Charlotte. Yeah, he was from Charlotte, North Carolina. So I felt like he would have been really good for us, and he's made an impact on this team off the bench.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is interesting to see, you know, the depth that Carolina has this year uh, in relation to previous years where they really have really Well,
1: haven't... it's not that they didn't have depth in previous years. It was that Hubert never – never was a guy or never has been a guy to use that depth. I mean, they had four and five star guys in the past that have just sat on the bench and rotted. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's actually utilizing them more is, yes, yes. is scary. It, it's, it's scarier because, you know, we thought, Oh, this year we're going to actually be able, you know, we might be the only team to kind of use you know, a loaded bench. And then lo and behold, here comes UNC that's using a lo- their loaded bench also. So mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be an interesting game as far as, you know, being able to keep people fresh all game long, you know, constantly. probably There's probably going to be a ton of subbing, you know, in and out because of how fast paced it's going to be. And so it'll be very interesting to see who kind of rises to that, you know, rises to the challenge. Yeah, we're definitely
1: going to have to have guys step up, whether it be uh Dennis, whether it be, MJ Rice, whether it be Middlebrooks, Michael O'Connell, and in all of the big wins we had last year at home, it, it really felt like somebody stepped up and played way over the top of what they normally did. Whether I mean the UNC game last year was Shark Hill Joyner, but I mean, obviously incredible player, but his run at the end of that UNC game was something else or Whether it be, you know, the Miami game that we had last year where Ernest Ross stepped up for 17 points or something like Mm -hmm. that. We need something like that from one of the guys off the bench or one of our stars to really step up and have an incredible game.
0: Yeah. And it it happened in the UVA game with Dennis Parker. So it's already a start against, you know, a pretty well, a, a pretty good UVA team. Yeah. Um, So I'd say I definitely would say a a key to this game is to is to really keep UNC off of the free throw line. I mean, I they they are shoot they have a couple guys that are shooting over ninety percent from the free throw line. Um, I know Baycott, you know he'll he'll draw a bunch of fouls down low. He's very physical, so he likes getting to the free throw line. You know as well, we all know that it's nothing new. Um, They're averaging about twenty five attempts a game and only allowing about no more than about 16 from their opponents. So there's, you know, there's a, a despair you know, a little bit of disparity in their attempt in the free throw attempts between their opponents and them, which could really just make the difference in winning by, you know, five points or something like that. They're, they're really, they, they've, in the last few years, they've definitely been a good free throw shooting team. So you can never count them out of a game essentially because of how well that they spend on the free throw line. And they they take advantage of the charity strike. They they really they really take advantage of those free points. And so if we can limit them being away from the free throw line as much as possible, it's not gonna we're not gonna hold them to zero free throw attempts, but if we can limit Than not getting 25 attempts, that's already a step in the right direction there.
1: Yeah, another thing, I mean, I feel like we talk about this with every game. You know, we got to, we got, we have to make them uncomfortable. We have to turn, make them turn the ball over. They're only averaging about 10 turnovers a game, which is really, really low and impressive. But we need to get them up into the 14 to 15 turnover range and not only turn them over. Turn the ball over into points. We need to get points off of turnovers, Um because I mean we talked about it with the Notre Dame game. Like we, we at times we struggle to score the ball, and that's not something that they normally do. That's uh, Carolina is incredibly efficient on the offensive end, one because they have guys like Davis and Baycott who shoot incredibly high percentages from the from the field, but they also rebound the ball at such a high level that they're getting second, third chance opportunities. So yeah, I mean, getting out in transition, getting points off turnovers, getting easy baskets is something that we really, really need to key onto into this game. In this game, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and we say it again and again: rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. I know UNC like same as Virginia, they they recruit a lot of bigger, bigger guys that are physical and are willing to do the dirty work and get offensive and defensive rebounds. And so if we can limit their ability to get second chance points, you know, because I know Baycott can, you know, find his way somehow and get an offensive rebound, get a get a put back, maybe an and one, which just kills momentum. So if we can limit, if we can limit their ability to get offensive boards, I think State can find a way to find a way to work that into their game plan. And I know our game plan is a lot of, you know, let's, let's run and gun. Let's get in transition. Let's, let's get some fast break points. I think in this game, we might have to take a whole different approach in saying, okay, we might have to take a hit in our fast break points here and in our transit in the way we can get in transition here. But if we can get at least two to three guys at sometimes to get a defensive rebound and, not let Baycott get the ball and create an opportunity for an Ingram three pointer or or another RJ Davis layup or something like that. I think it, I, I think I'm willing, I would rather take that risk of us limiting our transition buckets in order for us to prevent second chance points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: we, I feel like we, like you said, we talk about it every game, rebounding turnovers and, you know, free throw, getting, getting to the line, defending other teams from the line, uh, they're, they're, they're a
0: staple of, of this, of this team's success. Yes. Yeah, I'm hoping we can, we can find some, we can get some good shooting too. We don't, we don't want to have. Oh a, no. Yeah. We we, we're going to need to be at least in the probably mid to
1: upper forties. If we want to win this game and mm-hmm. we really need to win this game cuz right now we don't have a signature win on the schedule albeit i believe there is eight teams currently no six ACC teams currently in the top 50 in the net so we we will have opportunities to pick up a quad one game but there's nothing there's not going to be a better one than this game right here
0: you know there won't there definitely won't be but i will i will actually let you know i did look today so because we beat BC on the road and they've been playing well, they actually moved up. That actually moved up to a quad one win for us.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. That, could be, that could flush away up and down throughout the season. And it might not end up being one. But if we win the game Wednesday, it will be a quad one game. There's no if ands, yeah. or
0: buts about it. That's true. That's true but I know you and I, and I think all of PAC nation would love to be a uh, big Boston college fans for the rest of this year until we play oh, them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> Quentin post Stan for sure. Come on Quentin post baby. Um, oh man. That's funny.
0: You want to give a, give them a score prediction for the game? Oh gosh, man. Let's see here. Oh, I mean, UNC is averaging a good amount of points a game. They only, I I think they only scored sixty five against Clemson, but you know Clemson's also, you know they're they're a pretty good team. I would say, with our defense, I mean, I I'm saying this is probably like, I don't I don't want to I don't want to say that we're gonna lose, but there's a you know this Carolina team is just you know they're just stacked. So, I mean, I might say. Carolina, you know, goes out with a 83-72 victory in PNC. Yeah,
1: I was thinking somewhat about that. If, I, if I'm if i being optimistic and let's say we keep them below, I think the target score for this game, because, you know, I, I told you the Virginia game, the target score was 65. we mm-hmm. you ever got to 65 first wins? I think yep. this game, the first to 80 wins. If we keep them below 80, I think we win. But other than that. I don't think we can hang with them offensively unless we're shooting lights out. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, optimistic me wants to say 76, 72 where, where it's close all the way to the end. And it's just like, you know, they have a chance to win it, missed it. And then we get the rebound, go down and shoot two free throws to make it a 76, 72 win. Mm -hmm. But realistically, I want to say 81, to 75
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i would love to be optimistic yeah i i like to be optimistic but i know that's also you know that's also made me want to pull my hair out when i watch you know state sports so it'll be it'll be interesting we want to be optimistic and it would be great to come out with a win so i know it'll be a very fast-paced game so i i feel like there will be a lot of scoring it'll be fun to watch
1: for sure it
0: will be it'll be a very fun game to watch Uh, guys, we need, we need PNC to be rocking. I, we, we want you guys there. We want you guys loud. We want, we want, we want a good atmosphere and I think we'll get that on Wednesday at eight. It'll be, it'll be super fun. I'm, I'm very excited for it. Yep. All right, guys. Well, this has been another edition of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. We always appreciate you guys listening we uh we thoroughly you know love your support for the podcast we you know we're continuing to grow we're 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 getting some more fans and we we love that and we're we're very excited for the rest of this year and hope uh hope the wolf pack you know will be optimistic that the wolf pack grants our wishes yep peace out everybody and go pack Uh, peace out and go pack baby